I remember growing up, I remember growing up, my parents had a three-slot wooden bill caddy that hung on the kitchen wall. It hung next to our 1970s rotary phone, our 1970s corded rotary phone, okay? And it had, it had three slots, and it was always filled with pieces of paper and envelopes. Two Saturdays a month, my father would take that wooden bill caddy off the wall, and he would place it on the kitchen table at about 10, 10.30 Saturday morning in his ratty jeans and white T-shirt and slippers. And piece by piece, envelope by envelope, he would go through what was in the bill caddy. These are the sounds that my father made as he was doing that. <sighs> oh. What? We knew it was really bad when he would say my mother's first and middle name with this inflection. Sherry Lee? Sherry Lee? <laughs> okay. I never understood why he did that until I got married and had children. And just out of curiosity, I looked at last month's bank statement, and I wanted to see what's the ratio of withdrawals to deposits, okay? So this is courtesy of United Bank right here in Nicholasville, and I, I, I went and I looked, and so withdrawals to deposits in my account were 78 withdrawals, five deposits, okay? I use my debit card, not a credit card, okay? So that's that might be artificially high. Um, but if you, if you water it down and do the math, next picture, that comes to a 15 to 1 ratio, 15 withdrawals for every deposit. Allow me to summarize that for you with a sound effect. What that represents is this. Okay? If you're here today and you're a teenager, I want you to know something about your parents. Bill paying for them is not fun. If you don't believe me, ask your mom or your dad to sit down with them the next time they're paying bills. Listen to what the sounds that they're making as they're paying bills. Watch their body language. It's not a positive experience, okay? It's not, it's not a positive experience. My parents, my parents growing up were paycheck poor. We never had extra. Um, we always, uh, I had two outfits in junior high school. I had to go for counseling for this. No, I'm just kidding. But I had two outfits. I would wear them two days in a row. My mom would do the laundry. Then I could wear them the next two days. Then I could wear them the next two days. Two outfits, this is all I got. Uh, we drove broken down, old, decrepit cars, okay? And when I say old decrepit, it's not like today old and decrepit. See, back in the 1960s and 70s, they didn't have this substance called clear coat. Okay, so you would buy a car and by next year, half of it had rusted and fallen off. We had one car that was so bad, I did this thing with my feet, a nervous thing in the, on the floorboards, and my dad would say to me, Mark, Mark, stop it. He was afraid I would punch the floor out <laughs> because it was rusted so bad, okay? And because of that, I resolved as a kid, I determined I'm going to be a lawyer, by golly. I'm going to be a lawyer and I'm going to make a bunch of money and I'm not going to be like mom and dad, mm -hmm, okay? Well, you know what I've discovered as a grown-up? 
life is still every bit as unfair as it was when I was a kid. This is crazy. This last week in the news, there's this guy who was let go of a professional sports team. He is a low-tier athlete, low-tier, bottom-tier. Do you know how much he made a game? $60,000 a game. Do you know what the average police officer in Lexington makes? $41,000 a year. (laughs) Okay? Can we all agree life's not fair? It's not fair. It's not equal. I happen to believe it's harder today than it used to be to get ahead. I happen to believe that it's harder for families to make ends meet. And I happen to believe that a lot of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck poverty. And I want you to be different. I do. And I want you to consider this morning a shift in your thinking. If you will shift your thinking and adjust a few things, I believe that you will worry less. I believe that you'll have more confidence. And I believe that you'll be more intentional with things financially. And it starts with a simple recognition. And you're going to go, what? Yes, it starts with a simple recognition. God owns it all anyway. I mean, think about it. If there's this supreme being of the universe that made everything that is, right? Isn't it kind of his? <laughs> right? This is taken right out of 1 Chronicles chapter 29. It's mentioned time and time again in the Bible. This is what it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 11 and 12. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. And the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. The home or apartment where you slept last night belongs to God. The car that you drove here in today, as cheesy as you think it is, belongs to God. Thank goodness. (laughs) The clothes on your back right now belong to God. I want you... I mean, think about it. Think about it for a minute. After all, you're here 60, 80, 110 years, and then it goes to somebody else anyway. So in a best-case scenario, over the long scope of humanity, you're just borrowing stuff anyway because you don't get to keep it or take it with you. So a fundamental premise is that God owns it all. And according to the Bible, you and I are managers. We manage God's money and stuff. We manage it. And if you're following Jesus, if you've been adopted in God's family, you're a steward, you're a manager. And I want to talk about that today and how that's good news for you, okay? If you brought a Bible, I want you to open it to Luke chapter 16. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, so it's the third gospel in the New Testament, Luke chapter 16. They'll even put the verses on the big screen. We'll start with Luke 16, 1, okay? Luke 16, verse 1, and I'll read this first verse and we'll talk about it. Jesus told this story to his disciples. So Jesus is speaking, and he's telling a story to make several points. He did that a lot, by the way. People would ask him, what's reality like? What's God's, God is like? What's really true? And he would tell a story. And it was his way of saying, this is what God's like. This is what's true. This is how you know up from down. And he would tell stories, okay? So he's telling a story to make a point about what's true and real. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs, Now, the word here for manager is oikonomos, oikonomos. I've talked about this before, like five years ago. Oikonomos, oikos is the first part, means household. So if you've wondered, how come they call that funny meal an oikos meal? means household, (laughs) okay? It's one of the earlier words used to describe church, an oikos, okay? Oikos and then nemein, to manage. So 
Oikos, by the way, is also where we get the word oikos economy. Economics comes from oikos, okay? So an oikos namon, an oikos, oikos, blah, an oikonomos was a manager. Or the other word that tends to get used is steward. I don't like to use the word steward because it confuses most Americans because they hear steward and they go, oh, building campaign for church. No, okay, so think manager, and that's a better word to, to have in mind about what's, what Jesus is talking about in this passage. So a man, uh, an oikonomos was a manager hired by a household to manage the household accounts, money, furniture, I mean, everything, okay? The, the manager didn't own it. They were simply managing it for the owner, okay? So let's keep going with verse 1. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So it plays out like this. In the morning, he's at the golf course. Not really, but somebody comes up to the owner and says, Hey, I know it's none of my business, but you need to check in on that manager of yours. You know, I was at the bank. He's making deals. These are bad deals. I mean, you, you really need to look into this guy. Later on at the day, he's having dinner with friends, and one of his friends says to him, look, hey, I know it's none of my business, but that manager of yours, he's stealing it from you, okay? You got to do something about this. I'm telling you, you need to look into things. Your manager is rotten. Well, Jesus continues, verse 2. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. He gives them 24 hours to collect the books and present the accounts, and then he's out on the street, all right? Verse 3, the manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches. I'm too proud to beg. I got it. I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So, he realizes that because of who he is, he doesn't want to beg or dig ditches. And so he devises a plan. He decides to come up with something that will guarantee he's not living out on the streets once he's done and gone. All right? And that's what we see play out in verses 5 through 7. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come in and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man said, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, here, take the bill, make it 400 gallons. What? Yeah. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, came the reply. Here, take the bill, change it to 800. Okay? This is significant. Some people say that what the manager was doing was cutting out his commission. But either way... Uh, one of these debts is a three-year debt to repay the, the, the uh, uh, gallons of olive oil. And by cutting it, he takes a three-year repayment and takes it to a year and a half. What if somebody did that to your student loans? You'd be doing the happy dance, right? Woo! I mean, you'd get saved in a second. I mean, this is awesome. You'd proselytize and tell everyone, oh, bill's been cut to 400. You're not going to believe this, okay? It'd be tremendously good news. These people felt the same way. So the disciples are hearing this story, and I know, they're thinking, this guy is in trouble. I can't wait to hear what happens to him. But look at verse 8, okay? The rich man had to admire. What? I'm sorry. 
the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. Dishonest rascal. The word used to describe this manager is the same word used to describe the prodigal son. Same word. So is this a guy wearing a white hat? Nope. <laughs> he's got, his hands are dirty. He's done some thing, dastardly things. But he's shrewd. He's shrewd about his future. And that's what's being commended. It's true, Jesus says, the children of this world are much more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are children of the light. So in Jesus' thinking, and he teaches this in other places, you and I are like a manager. We've been given stuff, and we manage stuff only. We're managing stuff for God. And we're managing stuff for God for his purposes, but also our future. Like, so there's self-interest involved in here. It's not just for God. It also benefits us. And I want to flesh that out, all right? So Jesus gets to the point, verse 9. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your earthly possessions are gone, they'll welcome you into an eternal home. All right? So I want to flesh out this first aspect of what it means to be a manager. And if they'll put that next slide up. Use your worldly lessons, okay? Use it like a tool. Money, the money that you and I have been given, is a tool. It's a tool to be used to advance God's purposes and prepare our future. And here's one of the ways that it plays out. You'll actually encounter people in the resurrected life who may come up to you and say something to the effect of, like Charlotte Lacey, hey, I felt like God was calling me to do this missions thing, and you supported me at like $10 a month. I just want to say thank you. Here's some of the lives that were changed. Here's what God did in my part, in my heart, and how he changed me in the process. Thank you for investing in God's kingdom. You rock. Okay? There, and this is going to play out. You, you may encounter people who say something to the effect of, you know that cheesy bed you donated uh, to the help house in Jessamine County? My, my kid died of cancer, and I didn't have the money to buy a twin bed to, to have my grandson move in with me. And that bed, that was a godsend. Thank you, okay? This is going to play out in the resurrected life. And I want you to get in on it, and I want you to use this tool for your future and God's purposes, all right? So the next thing, verse 10. So let's keep going. Jesus says this. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? The next thing about being a steward and about the money that God gives us, and if they'll put that picture up, is that it's a test. It's a test. If you have kids, you know exactly how this plays out. I can't tell you. I have uh, drivers in my household. Some of you have had drivers in your household. Some of you are going to have drivers in your household. A question comes up. I don't know if they can really manage a car of their own. I don't know if they know if they're really going to take care of the car. How did they take care of their bike? How did they take care of their room? So there are clear indicators of how it will play out. And this is a, this is a larger truth about life, isn't it? When you're faithful with little you demonstrate that you're faithful, you're going to be faithful with more, with much. Okay, so there's a twofold test that plays out. I'm convinced one of the test things is who's our master? Is it Jesus or someone else or something else? And then the, and then the other thing is 
there is a connection between what you and I do with our money here and what plays out in the resurrected life. There really is. I'm, I'm convinced as a pastor, when I get together with other pastors, we actually talk about this. I don't want to have people come up to me in the resurrected life and pull me on the arm and go, Max, you are too kind. You were too nice. Why didn't you kick me in the butt? You know, I had all this stuff and then I spent it all on me. That was so dumb. Why didn't, you know, and I'm, I don't want to be caught in those conversations. It's going to be awkward, okay? So, so like, I try to do what I can now to, to make sure that you understand what I understand about the scriptures and what Jesus taught. So the other thing about money is that it's a test. The last thing about it, and that's verse 13, Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What he's saying is there's something about the way a believer will handle money that when other people are looking at them, they go, Jesus, Jesus, got it, mm, Jesus. So if you can put this next picture up, I think you'll get it when, I, when, I, when you see this. This logo is who? This is what? Starbucks. This is, you knew that just by looking at it. I want to suggest to you that there's a way of handling and managing money that when other people look your way, they go, Jesus. Part of it's generosity, part of it's saving, part of it's living within your means, but there's this thing wrapped up in managing money well, God's way, that when people look at it, they go, ah, got it, Jesus, okay? So again, how we use money and stuff is a tool, it's a test, it's a trademark. And it's been given to us by God with an expectation that we're going to leverage it for his kingdom and for our future. So in light of that, let me ask a question, if they'll put this question up there. If, if you would buy into the fact today that you are, in fact, a, ma- a manager, like, how would you rate your management? Right? Like, if you were an outsider doing an audit of how you're managing this money that God's put in your hands and the stuff God's given you, would it, would it be like a, would you get like an A rating, an A minus rating, a B, a C, a D, an F? If you're thinking, okay, I, I'm not sure I would be an A, but, you know, hopefully I'm not flunking. If there's room for improvement, allow me to suggest some things, okay, that I think could be helpful. Could I do that, please? I want to suggest a few things that could actually help you get that rating up, all right? So if you're not happy with your rating, let me suggest. Thing number one is really simple. You know what the shrewd manager did that so few Americans don't do? He had a plan, he had a plan. It wasn't just like, you know how many Americans we go through life and this is how we handle money? Well, you know, I think we spend around 400 a month on groceries. You know, I think our bills are somewhere around a thousand, you know. No, 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 no think. No, it seems to me like you ought to know, okay? So step one, step one, if they'll put that up. And I've got a series of slides. Uh, step one, develop, develop a budget and track your expenses, Okay, if I could, I would give all of you a a version of Quicken today and you could go click, 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 click and link it with your bank account. I love Quicken because I can look at it in a glance and it will give me pie charts and I know exactly where every dollar is going. Here's the thing about a budget. A budget is simply you making a decision and telling your telling the money where to go. Hey, you dollars, you go do housing. Hey, you dollars here, you go put food in the table. And no steak this week, okay? You know, it's that kind of stuff, all right? You, you basically are directing the flow of money, and you're doing it intentionally. 
if you struggle with this, there are a couple of people in this congregation who are like financial counselors. They, I, they'll sit down with you and help you take these steps. But, okay, so homework assignment number one or homework option number one is maybe it's something like developing a budget and simply if you don't know where all the money's going, you ought to know. So this would be a great month to know, okay, this is what really we're really spending on food. This is what really is going on in terms of gas, you know, those kinds of things. So develop a budget and track expenses. Homework option number two. I want to suggest to you today that something that you could do is make a decision that you're going to renounce your claim on the stuff and money that you have. Uh, I've done this. Other people have done this. It did my heart really good when I was helping Charlotte move out of her house. She had a quick claim deed on her refrigerator, and she had all her stuff listed there. Okay? Here's what that means, okay? It's simply you making a decision, okay, from here on out, I'm going to embrace the role of manager. The car, the house, the stuff, the clothes, it's not mine anyway, it's God's. Here's the good news. When you make a decision like that and you make a decision that you're going to start managing God's money the way God wants it to be managed and and taking steps that way, money problems become God problems. They're not just your problem anymore. I had a a friend at the, uh, the other church I served here in this county. He was a painter, and he drove an old Chrysler van. Now, there's several things wrong with that statement, old and Chrysler. So you know what happened to his van a lot? I would pray with him every Tuesday morning. We were a part of a men's group that prayed. These are the types of prayers he would pray when his car broke down. Lord, your van done broke. I got like three painting gigs this week, and I got to get there, and I don't know how I'm going to get my stuff there, but... You know, hey, if you want to give me a brand new van, that's great. Um, if, you don't, if you don't fix your van, I don't know how I'm going to pay bills and stuff, so you got a problem. <laughs> what kind of faith is that? And do you know, like, I, this grew my faith praying with him in that way. You want to know why? Because time after time after time after time after time, He thought it was this big problem. Nope, it's a $30 problem. He gets another job that he wasn't expecting and didn't go out and bid for that's exactly what he needs to pay for the van repair. Like time after time after time, okay? And my faith grew just praying with him and watch this unfold, okay? So that's the great part about quick claim deeding and basically embracing your role as a steward and walking it out is that money problems become God problems and become God opportunities, Homework option number three. Homework option number three. Pick a percentage. If you, let's say you make $100 a week, which is really not enough to live, okay? <laughs> let's say you make $100 a week. Make a decision to live on less than $100 a week. Like, right? A good manager is, is not going to be somebody who spends 100% of what's coming in or 125% of what's coming in. A wise manager is actually going to have a spending budget plan that's less than the, the amount coming in. You know what the difference between less and the amount coming in is? That's margin. That allows you to be generous. It allows you to save for rainy days. 
it, it, it's a double-barrel shotgun for your future. And it helps you to live out your trademark status as someone who's with Team Jesus, okay? So, again, bottom line, all of our money and stuff comes to us from God with an expectation that we're going to leverage it for his kingdom and our future. And there's three, they're simple, simple ideas, hard to do. Sometimes it takes friends and accountability to do that, right? But these are three simple things, adjustments that you could you could do that would actually put you on a path. And if you're here today and you're skeptical about God and you're not sure, I don't know if God's real, and da, 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 let me tell you, just option one and option three will put you on a better financial path than the typical American, okay? I happen to believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that he's coming back, that I'm going to see him face to face, and he's going to ask me, so Max, that stuff, that money I put in your hand, so how'd that go? What'd you do with it? And I want to be able to like smile when I'm giving the report. <laughs> I really do. And I want the same for you. I do. I'm going to ask our musicians to come up, and we're going to actually sing for a little bit longer, worship for a little bit longer, but I'm going to give you an opportunity, opportunity to do one of two things. I have up here quick claim deeds. I do. I thought ahead. So while we're singing, while we're singing, one option would be for you to come up and as an act of faith, take one of these quick claim deeds as a, okay, fine, uncle. Today, we're going to talk about this. We're going to renounce our claim on all this money and stuff, and we're going to start managing what God's put in our hands, okay? Maybe you'll quick claim deed it. For some of you, I want you to you may cons- I want you to consider coming up and taking one of these, not to have anything to do with, your, with the money that God's given you per se, but as an act of faith to say, you know what? Today's the day. Today's the day. And I've been trying to make this thing work with God, and I've been trying to earn his favor, and I've been trying to make up for stuff in the past, and today I'm going to stop trying. I'm just going to accept what Jesus did on my behalf. And my confidence in things being right with God is going to be based on Jesus' performance, and it's going to settle it. And from this day on, I'm just going to follow Jesus. I'm going to need God's help. I'm going to need his spirit. I'm just going to follow Jesus. But those are two different kind of faith response options for today, and you can do that at any point while we're singing. So would you stand to your feet, and can I pray for all of us? God, I pray that the church in America would become a generous church. I pray that all of us, generations, shadowlands, catalysts, Jesuit Christian, churches all across the United States, that we would be generous with what you put in our church hands. I pray, too, that as a people, that you would help us to manage well. We want to manage well. We don't want to be kicked around by payday loan people and all this other stuff. We want to be ahead of the curve. So, God, help us not just to make good decisions, but, God, I ask that you would put people and circumstances in our lives that would help us to walk out this role of management, that we would manage well what you've put in our hands. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.